With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I always, I always wanted to have a bookshelf uh, behind me. In, in my camera now I've got it and you can't see the books got an Arsene Wenger book in there that was absolutely terrible <laughs> the delusion of crowds a very good book got into that when I start when I started buying up NFTs and cryptocurrency just to check if I was losing my mind I was have you got any of Theo Walcott's children's stories uh, <laughs> I have not I'll tell you what I have got though I'll tell you what I've got this is a really good book if you like The Sopranos. It's called The Sopranos Sessions. Oh, I and love it's The like Sopranos. A, a detailed breakdown of every single episode. And Sopranos was the greatest piece of TV ever created. So if you're, uh, well, you're looking for a book, looking you, for a book. I'm sorry, we, we didn't need to be getting to that contentious kind of back and forth at this stage. But The Wire is actually the greatest bit of <laughs> oh, the, TV I mean, ever. The Wire is the... I, I've watched I don't want to fight on that one. It's no point. It's not, you know, it's not a Messi-Ronaldo thing. They're both uh, exceptional pieces of art. That's true. Yeah, yeah certainly, certainly. All right, well, we started this off a bit a bit high level. Let's, let's, <laughs> let, let, let's lower the tone a little bit. Come on, Arsenal! What? What a result! What a did, result! I think you, you did. You predict one 0 on Wednesday night. I did. Yeah, I did. did. I mean, did. I, I only I only did it to be different. It wasn't that I had any sort of feeling or vibe. I, I I'll actually say this before we get into it. I was really really worried we'd lose this game today. I thought um, Aston Villa, full of tricky players, they're a bit of a bogey team, um, and for, I, you know fatigue was going to set in and. It didn't. Like, total dominance. They had one shot on target all game. And that was the last shot of the game. So, oh, Nicolas Pepe, last minute, that, like, knocking him over. I'm like, oh, no, Nico. I didn't no, Nico. think that was a free kick, but I thought No, I didn't either. Um, all right, should we, uh, should we just bounce in? We've got, we got a few people in the room. Let's just go into the <laughs> podcast. Mirror man, mirror man. You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am joined by Johnny Cochran. Johnny Cochran, how are you doing today? 
Oh, well, I'm, I'm absolutely elated. It is when this stuff happens on a Saturday afternoon, when the sun's shining, when we've been locked away like hibernating bears having to endure the winter. You're just like, you know what? Arsenal winning. It's what? Early afternoon. The sun's shining. It's beer o'clock, quite frankly. I'm going to have a good time. Uh, it, what better feeling is there in life, quite frankly? Man like Matt Candela, you're in the basement. You're in New York. Are you? Have you got summer vibes? Did you watch those away fans and think, I wish I was there? Oh, my God. Spring has sprung. Those away fans are having the time of their lives, aren't they? It was absolutely rocking all game. I was getting messages from people I know in their WhatsApp groups, drinking beers at 7 a.m., getting on the brew dogs, and you could see it. The atmosphere was bumping at the end. Uh, we have got cup finals, and they are treating every game like a cup final. Players and fans, wonderful to see. It is an absolute joy. I think you said in the green room, Matt, that there is nothing like winning the first game of the weekend and putting the pressure back on that West Ham and Spurs game. We are, we are four points clear in top four. Four points clear. It's March 19th. All of our March games are finished. So I am going to go to Matt Candela for the hottest of takes. Matt, what is your take? Well, this was all about how, how are we going to recover after Wednesday? You know, that was, that was it. We, we couldn't judge whether Wednesday was, uh, how, how bad of a result Wednesday was. We said if we won today, Wednesday was fine. And, and we pulled ourselves up. I was a little bit, I feel a bit bad because previously I was like, oh, you know, we shouldn't complain about playing all these games. And, you know, three games a week is part of being an elite football club. My God, this game has come around quickly. I haven't recovered from Wednesday night. I don't know how the players have. Suddenly, it's so early on Saturday. Um, but, you know, it was one way we had to gr- way, way had to grind it out. It's one where the only thing that matters is the result. And, and we did it. We, got, we needed six points from these three games. We got six points. Uh, we showed against Liverpool that we're improving all the time. Uh, and it was also maybe it was a good result to keep our feet on the ground and realise how far we've got to go. Um, but we are, we're, we're in it. We're well in it. And I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. Johnny Cochran, Matt took it to gas mark four in the heat level. Can you take it to five? Yeah, I think I can potentially because um, the thing is, right, and this is what the hottest take boils down to, I guess, for me. You know what you were saying before about the fact that this was a tricky a potentially tricky tricky fixture. We just lost to Liverpool in a game that, you know, we were outmatched overall in the end and it was always going to boil down to this. And if we were going to lose a game, this really stood out and looked like one that maybe we might slip up in. However, when I spoke on one of the previous pods and I said that I now expect us to get top four, this is what I'm talking about. I thought that we would win today because we had to win today if we are going to... If we are who we think we are, then we had to win today. And we are who we think we are. Every game gives us more justification to look at ourselves and go, no, we're not pretenders here. We are the dudes. We are the dudes who are rolling in. We're grabbing that top four lunch money. Let's go. And and, and we're getting out of there. And, and I, I can promise you this. I'm in a WhatsApp group with Tottenham West Ham fans. Yeah, my, that's my bad. I appreciate that. But they are watching these games now. Is at that stage of the season where they're like, they've all got it on. They're hoping they're like, oh, Villa look toothless. Oh, they're not doing anything. You know, they're trying to will Villa on. And the fact is, is we're rolling up 
even at the end where, yeah, granted, it got a little bit harem scare when Pepe's buddling people over and stuff. But overall, we controlled that game. It wasn't a smashing grab. We deserved to win. We came there and we looked like a class above, you know, Buendia and his mob, Martinez. Sorry, mate. Emil Smith-Rowe. Oh, oh, do you want to play for these? Wouldn't have thought so. We're, we're absolutely <laughs> running things around here. Don't want to play with you guys, mate. You're all right. Go on. Why don't you get Douglas Louise over the next set piece, mate? We're not interested, <laughs> all right? He wants to play at a top team. He wants Champions League football. And I tell you what, after this result, I think he's going to get it. Uh, well, that, that you did definitely turn out to gas mark five there. Uh, I just want to say hello to all the, the Aussies that are on the show today. They don't, they don't normally get to join. Uh, welcome. And my hottest take is is about defence today. It, that that was the best performance of the season. We had the most fatigue in the legs. We had the most to lose because West Ham and Spurs are playing that uh, this weekend. Uh, and Aston Villa are a little bit of a bogey side out there. They've got a lot of attacking players. Everyone was worried about Jacob Ramsey. Everybody worried about Coutinho because we've been linked to him. Everybody worried about that vibe that Emi Martinez gives off. We needn't have worried. That was an absolutely exceptional piece of defending and made all the better by the fact that Bert Leno is not our best goalkeeper by quite a margin. And you can feel the difference. Uh, Cedric is not our best right back. And they're still putting in performances. People are coming off the bench and they're showing up. Everybody is focused on doing the job at hand. And I just, I, I love the defending today. And I, I also sort of want to go back to some of the early season criticism about the ambition of our attack as well. And I know it maybe wasn't the most free-flowing of attacking games, but some of that passing under pressure today was absolutely out of this world. It was, it was Liverpool levels, crisp, accurate, playing through the lines, everybody doing their bit. It was, uh, it, that was just such a good day out. And there is, there is nothing better than that moment when the sun starts shining at the, towards the end of the season because you can taste the finish line and watching the players go over and thank the away fans because like, our, our, our fan base, home and away, has moved to the next level this season. We found that next level Arsene Wenger was after. You can hear it coming through the, the speakers and the TV. And it was a great counterpoint to the shitty support of uh, Aston Villa fans moaning and groaning, arms crossed in the seats like they think, like they actually believed the hype this summer. They actually thought that they were a bigger club than Arsenal. And they're, we put them back down the table. See you later, Stevie G. Anyway, that, I'm, I, I'm excited. I don't, know, I don't know whether I quite got to gas mark six. I don't even know whether that registers. Uh, so let's move, um, let's move on to the, uh, the next subject. I want to talk about something. Is our, is our tetable a thing? And what is it? Matt Candela. Well, you know, I think uh, Arteta had a great point after the game on Wednesday. He said, from box to box, we played the perfect game. And then we lost the game in the boxes. And, and, and it was true. We, we controlled, we, we were in control almost totally of the Liverpool game in between box to box. And today was the same. Aston Villa, we, we completely neutralised them. We nullified them. And that's what this, this, this Arteta, uh, this, this, this Arteta ball is doing. It's like we take complete, we, we completely dominate teams now. We completely neutralise them. We eliminate them uh, having the chance to take shots on goal. Um, 
it's 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 just great to see. It's 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 definitely more solid than Wenger Ball. Because <laughs> I mean, for now, you actually think when we go a goal up, we're actually not gonna. We've actually got a very very good chance of winning every game where, when when we're a goal up. Um, but Chris passing, uh, I'm 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 loving it. Yeah, Johnny Cochran, um, Arteta Ball. What are the what are the core components that you're seeing now? Do you do you feel that there is an identity where maybe they lacked one at the start of the season? Yeah, hundred percent. And listen, since we've been doing this pod, um, I haven't been the guy who's been the most forthcoming with my praise of Arteta and the project. You know, um, shoot me. Okay, I've gone up and down with him, but um, I think it's time we start. You know dishing out praise where praise is due. I think he's been absolutely superb, the way he's handled the last six months in general, the way he's got us playing. It's, it's really special stuff. And what I like so much about it, it, we've kind of, you know, gone through it. With every game, it starts to become more visible. But the culture, you know, the culture shift is there for all to see. And... Part of it, part of it ties into what we're talking about with Arteta Ball, and part of it is the overall um, kind of belief that he has instilled in the players, and that's partly down to um, uh, getting in young players, basically, who fully buy in. But when we talk about Arteta Ball now, you know, you, Matt was talking about having complete control. It's that it's the confidence that we now play with through everyone knowing exactly what they're meant to be doing. Thomas Partey was absolutely superb today. I mean, the guy just turning on the sixpence, d- dazzling us with his dancing feet. It was like, I mean, he's from a party, it's the party. You know, that's, that's what he's about. But it's when you have players who can engineer what Arteta is trying to do, the ball comes in quickly. It's not dilly-dallying. Suddenly, even the likes of Granite Xhaka, who used to take 15 million years every time he got the ball into his feet, he doesn't do it now. It's one-touch passing. Everything has to be quick. But when you look at the way in which Arteta has instilled the drive in us, look at transitions, right? Did you see, for instance, there was one point where we put the ball into the box. Martinez claimed it. All of the players are in and around Martinez, stopping him from getting an early release. And the reason for that is Xhaka's up in his face. We have to, we now know how important it is to get our position position set because all of the way that we play in terms of our strategy is based off positioning. So that's why one all, all the JDP stuff, the player who's nearest to the ball constantly goes. But if people are dragged out position the way we used to, it's very hard to know who should be pressing at one time because we need that base structure. And now you can constantly see the lines on the pitches, the lines of players. They play in, you know, in tandem a lot of the time. Now, obviously, the most obvious ones being... Um, our centre-halves, um, obviously, uh, are, are a fantastic partnership. But also, you see Erdegaard and Saka constantly playing into each other. And these partnerships develop through everyone knowing where they need to be, what they need to do. And, you know, I j- just, I- I've just got to say fair play to Arteta. We, we, we talked earlier in the season about Mike McDonald breaking down the tactical analysis behind it. And, you know, I questioned it. To, I didn't. It wasn't about even questioning it. I said... There may be another way of doing things. We don't have to do it this way if our players can't get their heads around it. Well, they have got their heads around it. And now we're riding rough shot over all of the chaff in the Premier League. And we're here to grab what is rightfully ours. And that is a seat at the top table. We're a big club and we're about to show it again. I love the other thing is it's great to see him happy. 
You've got to say, like that little look he had at the end as the three points closed out, walking over to the away fans, them all singing his name. He's deserved it. He has been through the ringer. You know, the guy couldn't get a break. We couldn't get a break. We couldn't give him a break. But, you know, finally now he must be, he must be delighted and confidence breeds confidence. And I just think we're just going to get better and better and better and better. Yeah. It's, and I think the best thing about this whole Arteta evolution is it was built from the back. And I don't think anyone expected that. You know, I was a, I've always been a big fan of the idea of bringing through city principles to Arsenal. And I think, you know, the big hook for the Arsenal board was he has that Manchester City IP. And if he can communicate that message and convince people to play along with it, then we might have a good manager. I thought it would be brilliant attacking, free-flowing football. I didn't realise that it would start with almost a bland defensive structure. But the 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 defenders that they signed in the summer has completely changed the way that we play. And I, 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 we almost forget about it now because we're so used to it. But the way those players play out the back is not normal. It's so it's so calm. It's so confident. It's so intricate as well. They're not taking easy passes when they're trying to break through the lines. And it's 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 an absolute joy to behold because you, you know I watch um I watch I watch a lot of MLS. Um, I watch I watch other leagues and commentators go. This team shouldn't be playing out of the back. You never hear that. You heard that a lot when Arsenal first started trying to play out the back. They shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be doing that. And now it's such a feature of the way that we play. But it's it's great defenders with the ball at their feet, but also just great defenders in general. I mean, a lot of people are saying in the comments right now, Gabriel, absolute monster again mm. today. Cedric Suarez, for the most part, has been a rock of late. You know, he's got really good delivery. He plays a different game to Tommy Hasu, but he's been exceptional. Kieran Tierney, pretty solid. Um, Burnt, and, and, and I, I don't want to bag on Burnt Leno, but you can tell that they're not as confident. It was like the defence decided today, just don't give Burnt anything to do because he's not very good at coming for balls in the box, even though he did a little bit, and his passing isn't good. And you, you can feel the nervousness towards the end from Burnt Leno. And he's one of the most experienced players in the squad. So to, to rattle through all of those problems today... Um, I just thought it was immense. And like Arteta ball is, is strong at the back uh, and uh, like move through the park really quickly. I think that's a really... Ben, ben, White, ben White is a Rolls Royce of a player, isn't he? I it's mean, best, best English defender. I think he's the first name on the team sheet for England nowadays. Harry Maguire is a, a hot mess, you know, serving up shit sandwiches every week for his fans. And I love that. But Ben White, you know, cool, calm, collected... He's grown over the season, looks imperious. And I'm really pleased you brought it up, Pete, because I was going to, about the addition of Bert Leno today. And when you talk about how our ball works, when we think back to earlier on the season, when we were a disaster going forward, it was just all over the gaff. Well, one of the things that we talked about was that certain players just weren't capable of doing what our had told them to do. And, you know, none probably embody that more than Bert Leno. And the fact is, is that we play out from the back, and we draw the um, the opposing team onto us. But we rely on Aaron Ramsdale's technical ability to be able to take the ball in and to be able to be very cool and calm, under pressure, and pl- pass one touch. But Leno can't do that. And that is why, on, on a few occasions where he's taken his goal kicks, Aaron Ramsdale always, virtually always, 99%, he always passes to the side to one of his defenders. 
because he because they know they can give it back to him if they get pressed. With Leno, he's like whack. We're going long. Couple of just random hoofs, acne marshes, mate. But that is where <laughs> it comes down to the fact that there are certain players who are not going to be able to fulfil Arteta's plan for them because they just don't have the te- technical acumen to deliver on that front. Matt, what did you make of um, the Burnt Leno performance today? Are we being Look, I, think we, I think we have to give him credit because at the end of the day, it's 93 or 90, 94 minutes gone uh, and he has to pull a decent save out under pressure to get the three points. And he did. And, you know, I think you have to praise his professionalism. Um, I, we haven't heard one peep out of him all season. Huge amount of credit goes his way. I think you saw the way the fa- at the other players went around him at the final whistle and were celebrating him shows the regard with which he's held. So, yeah, he does, he, he's, he's not as good as Aaron Ramsdale. We know that. That's why, that's why we spent 30-odd million on a new keeper when we had a German international. But um, huge amount of credit for me in terms of what he did today. Yeah, uh, he, he's, he's, he, he, he's, he's less good. But that was a big save in the last minute. You know, it's easy to palm that out. Someone knocks it in, one all, last minute. We're, st- we're on this podcast moaning and complaining. We've only got a point. We're worried about fourth, all of that stuff. So I think we have to have to look at look at the positives. And I think someone in the comments said, you know, don't forget Ramsdale conceded near post uh, near post goal in the last game. It's I, I won't have. I will not have Aaron Ramsdale slander today. <laughs> so it's it's not easy to do. So um, I think. We're in that sort of march at the moment, and we're obviously not going for the title, but it's almost title-esque in that you need your players to come in and deliver. Cedric Suarez, he's come in, he's delivered. Bernd Leno came in, delivered. That's it. You know, they're not the play, they're not as good as the players they're replacing, but we need their personalities. We need them to, to, to be part of the team. And yeah, I'm big fan of Leno today. Big fan. And let's um let's carry on the the Arsenal propaganda for the defense. Uh Manchester City and Liverpool both have 17 clean sheets. Arsenal and Chelsea both have 13 clean sheets. So it's uh, we're in the we're in the top four for clean sheets. And you have to say, considering the start that we had and the concerns going into the season, that is absolutely exceptional. That is it, one of one of the youngest defenses in the league. Two centre backs at 24, a goalkeeper at 23, 13 clean sheets. Are you kidding me? Outrageous. We haven't, we haven't had our first choice defence for for a lot of it as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, they're only going to get better based on like what you said, Pete. They're young and they've already got better out during the course of this season. They've improved. So going into future seasons, you can absolutely. And obviously, we've got quality reinforcements, hopefully on their way back for next year as well. We don't need to go down that route today. It's a happy day. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, it, you know, you touched on it, Pete. I think it was obviously a very smart move to it was, it was absolutely urgent anyway to deal with our defending uh, crisis because we were so weak in pressure moments previously. But the reason why I have confidence in this team is because we are built out from the back and we can get clean sheets nowadays. You know, you you go, you're one nil up at Villa. In recent years, there's no way we get over the line with three points. No, it just doesn't happen. We would have crumbled. Someone does something stupid. I can't. You know, I think we might focus on him a little bit more later on in this. But let's shout out now to Granite Xhaka. How about getting a yellow card and not getting sent off? I mean, give that man a serious round of applause. You don't always need the second yellow granite. You know, sometimes just stop at one. And Thomas Party as well. No one, no one did a, a brain fart, quite frankly. It's just lovely to see. And 
that also gives the fans and, and their teammates confidence, knowing that, you know, someone's not going to essentially sabotage us in the crunch, in the crunch minutes. And, it, 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 you know, results like this genuinely start to give everyone the belief that we are coming, you know, top four is the first step along the way to becoming something really, really spicy over the next few years. And I think that every every Arsenal fan at the moment is getting that sense. And that's why it's such an exciting time. And then just before we leave the defence bit, uh, Liverpool, uh, Joel, uh, like Martip and Virgil van Dijk, both 30 years old. John Stones, 27. Laporte, 27. Like generally, centre-backs don't come good until they're 27 years old, I think, unless you can buy absolute top-level, world-class players. Um, so, th- th- like, I just can't imagine where Ben White and Gabriel are going to be in three seasons' time. I mean, it's just it's just uh, so exciting. And it's also good that a lot of the players that we signed for big money, it now looks like value. I didn't think that we would be sitting here saying Ben White looks like a value signing or Ramsdale looks like a value signing. But if you put those two on the open market now, you're, you're probably getting more than the price we pay for them. And that's... Uh, 100%. That's that's good business. So I want to move into the slides, lads. Slide, oh, yeah. slide, slides. Uh, let's get that banner down. So if you are uh, if you are watching on the video, you know that I love slides. If you're listening, uh, I've got a slide up. It says the Arsenal opinion, just welcoming. You can follow us on all our socials there. Uh, okay, so uh, performance-wise today, Aston Villa, one shot on target. Um, brilliant. The referee was, uh, was, was absolutely terrible all game. Uh, both teams had about the same amount of fouls. Three yellow cards, Granite Jacker. I mean, let, let's be honest. That's not a yellow card for anyone else. If you're if you're a, if you're a good young man like Matty Cash, you can get away with horrendous challenges all game. Uh, if you're Tyrone Mings and you're sometimes part of the England setup, you get away with that nasty challenge on Bukayo Saka. But if you're Granite Jacker, hold on hold on to someone for too long and it's yellow card. It's bullying. <laughs> it's bullying at this point. All right, so that we don't want to talk about that slide. Let's get into the table. Uh, Arsenal uh, on 54 points, fourth. Uh, we've got a game in hand over Manchester United, who are on 50 points. Spurs currently sit in seventh on the same points as West Ham. That is an absolutely huge game because I feel like... I, I feel like would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Someone, someone's going out. Someone could go out of the race. Um, right. in, in, that, in that WhatsApp group as well, I said there was Tottenham and, and West Ham fans, and that, that's what they've openly said. And they they said even before the uh, the whistle, the final whistle had blown at Villa Park, they said, "I already feel like it's a losing you're out situation tomorrow," which means that we, after enjoying the rest of this wonderful Saturday, get to watch that game tomorrow with our feet up, going, "Who's gone? Who's out of there? Is, is, out? It, the, yeah. is it the And obviously, we'd prefer it to be Spurs. I'd love a little West Ham win particularly with their um, excellent display. I like West Ham broadly, you know. They're, they're certainly way better than any of the other clubs in and around it. And I'm pleased that they're doing well in the Europa, but I don't think they have the squads or the temperament to compete right to the end on both fronts. And I think their their attention will get taken uh, towards the Europa League. So I'd love them to do something against Tottenham tomorrow. And if they do, you know, and we have a game in hand and six points clear of Tottenham or five points clear... I think that's going to be too much for them. They're too, way too inconsistent to make up that ground. And United, we're already, what, four points clear of them with a game in hand. If we can win that game in hand, obviously, whoever that ends up being, then 
I don't I don't see United getting seven points on us either. I think we're in a commanding position. And the best thing about it is our form. Our form is what makes us such heavy favourites. I mean, I, I'm tempted to even say I want a West Ham win yeah, uh, rather than a draw. I feel like Tottenham are our biggest rivals for fourth. Yeah. And we should just... I don't think West Ham are going to last the pace. I think they've got European commitments. I think they've got a load of other stuff. Uh, we're going to go there. We're going to beat West Ham. I've just got a great feeling about that. So maybe, yeah, just just anything but a Tottenham win, basically. Crazy, though, that it like we're feeling really comfortable right now. It's only six points. It's only it's only two bad results in a row. So, but the good thing the good thing is that we still have it in our hands because we have to play West Ham, Spurs, United, Chelsea. I mean, those those are the big cup finals. The big cup final that I'm looking towards is that Chelsea game mm. because uh, you know we can talk about Chelsea a little bit later. But Rudiger is going to Juventus. Uh, Chelsea are having to get coaches to Middlesbrough. Their PR team is trying to get fans kicked out of the ground. There's a lot of victimhood going on there. And there's a lot, you know, all of that noise around ownership that's swirling around the club. Can't be good, even if you're the best player. And then your best centre-back says, see ya, don't fancy this anymore. Losing Rudiger is Arsenal losing Thomas Partey in March. That's that's how big it is. It's, It's mad. It's mad but beautiful. So let's talk about our fixtures. So we've got the fixture list up. Uh, I've spelt Palace wrong. Sorry about that. Uh, but we've got we've got Palace away, and we've just seen what they did to Pep Guardiola. Uh, not, not you know good from Patrick Vieira. He's having a fantastic season over there. Uh, Brighton at home, always a difficult game. But Brighton have really fallen off of late. They're plummeting down the table. Uh, and they're in terrible form. Uh, Southampton is a tough game away from home. We've had some problems there over the years. Then we've got. Chelsea three days later, followed by United uh, home. I mean, that week is going to be monstrous, right? I'm looking at that. I I, I want, literally, our next four games, I want 10 points. I'm not joking. I know everyone wants that. But as in, Chelsea, we're not going to be able to guarantee that we win. Of course we're not. It's a tough game away. But I still feel confident out of all of the you know, the elite rivals, Chelsea are the ones that we're best suited to beat. We give them troubles all the time, and the, similar to the way Liverpool give us troubles. And I think we can go there and beat them. I really do. But, you know, if you balance it out, I don't, you, you know, first of all, Brighton at home, that's a must, that's, that's just a banker win. It has yeah. to be. You know, they're not in good form. They, they're quite toothless up front. Shouldn't be conceding. Should have enough to score goals. Palace away, difficult game. But, Listen, I mean, who knows? Maybe even Paddy throws the game and he says, go on, all the best. Have a, have a good one. We'll put our kids out, you know. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. It may be that we end up drawing there uh, or it may be that we can get a draw away at Chelsea. But either way, I want Brighton is a must-win game. We've got to beat Southampton when we go down there. And the one thing I, why I wanted to jump in on that, Pete, is you were saying about we always struggle away at Southampton. This is the thing. This is what I'm talking about, the changing of our mentalities as well as fans. We're watching something new. We have to believe that. We're seeing it. It's not about how we've start, struggled over the last three years. This team struggled away at Villa Park. We didn't struggle today. We're dominant. We're better than these teams. And finally, we're showing it. So, yeah, I expect to go into uh, Southampton 
and give them the runaround as well. Because why shouldn't we? Let's 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 have it. We've got to go and earn top four because we are the fourth best, a minimum of fourth best team in this league. And I think that we can show that. I think that's a really interesting point that the fans have to change um, mentality. Sometimes, like when you work in advertising the reputation of an agency lags behind the reality of the work. And I kind of feel that that is a little bit what you see with Arsenal. Like I'm still going into games like Aston Villa and I'm thinking we've lost against Liverpool in the week. Everyone's going to be feeling sorry for themselves and we're going to let this result happen to us. And we didn't. And, you know, you look at every single statistic in the Premier League at the moment, Arsenal are top four, top four for shots, top four for shots on target, top four for clean sheets, Top four for points. It it's not a mirage, but sometimes it feels like one. Sometimes you're just waiting for the smack back to reality, the like the bad form, or just 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 things to happen to us. I think the and other it, thing is not happening. I think the other thing is it's about psychology. You know, like Liverpool and City, it's like they know that they're gonna like every game you're grinding it out, you're grinding it out. We are the only team in top four in the race for top four who is just going win, 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 win. And because we're Arsenal fans and we're used to a lot of disappointment in recent years, we always think it's going to come to an end. But if you're a Spurs fan or a West Ham fan or a United fan, it gets draining seeing it. Oh, Arsenal won again, again. They keep grinding them out. And eventually, you know, you can, I think we can break them just by going win, another win at Palace. Another win at Brighton. Another win at something. If we get nine points from our next from our next three games, I think we'll we'll break them and, and they'll give up because I think you know it will just be just the, the gap will be too much because I don't think United or Spurs are getting nine points from the next three games. Exactly, and this is what I mean. This is a hundred. That's that's a brilliant point, Matt, and I, I couldn't agree more. The fact is, is that we keep going over to you. We're taking care of our business over to you guys. Can you match that? Can you go to West Ham and get three points? Maybe, maybe you can. But do you remember, you know, kind of a month ago when we were looking over our shoulders at Tottenham, Conte's rejuvenated them, they're starting to, and they're constantly nicking late 1-0 wins, you know, like, and you're like, oh, it it feels like they're getting it together. They're getting over the line. They're going to be able to, you know, get the job done. Well, this is what we're doing to them now because they've got a mountain to make up. Bear it in mind as well, what you also have to do, like, you, you know, when you said, Pete, oh, it's only six points. It's only six points based on the other teams winning every single game. They're not going to do that. They are not good enough to win every single game. Tottenham are inconsistent. They're starting to get a bit of form. I do think they're going to be the ones that challenge us towards the end. Um, United, it's up and down. We know that. Out of the Champions League now, which is a, a good laugh. Um, so they're going to be reno- renewed and going for it. But the, the fact is, is we turn up and we're not skanking our way through. We're the best team on the pitch. What I think, uh, eighteen times out of out of our out of our potential opponents, we're going to be the best team, or seventeen, I should say. You know, and I, I'm including Chelsea in that because I actually think that we're pound for pound going to be end end the season better than Chelsea, and I think we can actually catch them. I really, really do. But Man you know, Man City and Liverpool look like they're a step above everyone else. We should be turning up just like the squad's mentality has shifted. The fans' mentality has shifted as well. We're the real deal and we're here to show you so you guys can catch up with what's just happened. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point that we, we also still have the mentality 
that other teams are capable of winning every single game until the end of the season. And we've seen it time and time again. And Spurs, Spurs under Conte, there's so much luck. I mean, you just saw Harry Kane get that, you know, rebounded goalkeeper kick off his shin and it goes in, squirms a ball in in the last minute. Everything they do is lucky. There's no system there. There's also no belief with their fans. And I, I think it's a similar sort of story with West Ham. I think everybody feels like this project is coming to the end because they've got a lot of old players there. And I, I, I'm not sure that the belief is fully there. But I do hope that the belief is there tomorrow because I think you're both right. West Ham are going to get rattled by getting closer to the Europa League. We know that that's a weak competition. They turned over Sevilla unless they get Barcelona in the next round. And even then, I'd fancy West Ham against Barcelona. They got Pierre Emerick Aubameyang up front. Gets get eaten alive by West Ham's defenders. We've seen it time and time again. So I'm um, I'm excited about where this goes. So um, uh, let's let's talk about let's get back to the game. Let's get some focus here, lads. I thought Alex Lacazette really struggled again today, and he almost looks frustrated. Uh, the some of the things that he lacks. I mean, he, he ha- you know what he lacks. He can't, he, can't, he can't be far enough into the box to attack a post. He's not fast enough. And it's like the, the more games he plays, gets a little bit more tired. And those phys- those, that lack of physicality really starts to shine through. I, I didn't think he was good today. And I think if we had a better striker in the system, maybe we'd call that game earlier. I, I wanted to get your take. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, you, you make a great point. This is what I saw as well. There was a, there was a situation in the first half where Kieran Tierney... Uh, yeah, it was Kieran Tierney... Um, hit a hit a ball, like kind of an ad hoc ball. He took it early and sent it to the back post. And Lacazette's, Lacazette's there. Now, the thing is, we know that Lacazette's never been the fastest. But that first five yards, you've got to have it as a striker. It's what makes, you know, certain qualities, like the likes of Pippo Inzaghi and stuff. They weren't running away from people, you know, over 40 yards. But if it was over five yards, he's getting to that ball first. He's going in the net and he's running off like he's the best player in the world. And you can't stop it. And that's what grinds you down. Lacazette hasn't got that first five yards anymore. And that ball, you know, I'm not saying I expect him to be leaping like a salmon, heading it, you know, heading it in at the back post like a closer or something. The, the fact is, is I just want to see you attacking the ball. But he was so... He's, how many times at the moment do we see Lacazette on his heels? He just always seems like he's on his heels. And I think, you know, that is that lack of explosiveness that he just doesn't seem to have anymore. And it causes us issues. But we cannot forget the fact that overall, his worth to the team is not just in goals and goal threat. It True. is his link play. I don't think he was at it today in terms of that even. But... You know, overall, he has been. And we are absolutely going to need him if we are going to get over the line this year. Because when we're playing at his best, Lacazette has to play. Matt, what's your take on uh, Lacazette today? Just just a bad day at the office? I think it's... I think he's now basically given up thinking that he can even score. I think for the first half of the season, it was like the goals will come. And now it's like, actually, they're not they're not coming. Uh, so just just got to accept that. I don't think that's a good place to be. I was trying to remember whether Lacazette of old would have been any better. Um, I always felt like, I never thought, I always felt he was much more dynamic and and, and a much more complete footballer than he is now. He, he's really turned into a bit of a lump, um, to, to be honest, which may, which may be doing him a little bit of a disservice. But he is now playing, a, he's not playing cent, a centre-forward position now. He's playing a false nine. 
That's what that's what's sort of bizarre to me. I thought he was originally he was providing the link up play of an out and out centre forward and just not scoring goals. Now he's he's dropped deeper. He doesn't get on the end of anything. And frustratingly, um he had one chance to link up the play and play Odegaard in and he didn't do it when he had that great chance to do it, and that could have been two nil. Um None of this is that much of a criticism of him. He's he he's just he's just he's just a little bit limited. We have built this system around him. We know we're going to buy uh, one or two strikers to come in. I mean, I was thinking originally, don't buy someone like Calvert Lewin. I think we could do better than than that. But the more I see how we're doing with Lacazette, I'm thinking any upgrade is going to be significant in terms of the level of performance that we can. We can we can we can get out. No, none of this, by the way, is a criticism of him. And he is our system to get top four. And if we do, it will be it will be um, it'll, a lot of it. He'll deserve a lot of credit. I'm not sure we should give him any deal. Is 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 the honest truth? I'm really I'm really not. I think we should try and buy two new strikers because uh, I don't think there's anything that he does that we can't buy relatively easily. Buying elite that's hard. Like I don't know who that's going to be. And, and who they're going to go in on, but buying a second choice to striker, I think we can. I think we can do better than 180, 180 grand a week or whatever he's on. Yeah, I, th- I, I, th- I think I heard somewhere. What's the the line? There's nothing more powerful in the world than a, than a great idea. And I really like the sound of Smith Rowe in that position. Oh. He sh- he showed little shades of it today, where it, where he, he came through the middle, and I just wonder whether. That that feels like a great option. He's tall, he's fast, he's dynamic, he's got a taste for goal. Um, I, I wonder whether there will be an experiment with that maybe in preseason because he's got all of the elements and I don't think that all of our young players can start together. Like when Martinelli comes back, it's very difficult to include all of them at the same time and that could be a, an interesting opportunity. And the crazy thing about this system at the moment is you know what you need? 28-year-old Olivier Giroud in that system and we absolutely purr. Right. You know, he was great at bringing people into the game. He was an absolute bully in the box. Um, You know, he's scoring some important goals for Milan at the moment. Still. Yeah. I mean, he brought out the best of Alexis Sanchez and uh, and Mesut Ozil. You know, we all thought when Aubameyang came, Ozil would fly. And actually, it was completely the opposite. And it showed you how selfish and spoiled Arsenal fans were because Olivier Giroud was pretty good. You know, you don't win a World Cup. Uh, if if you're a shit player, but I, I, he didn't score a, either. He didn't score much either, to be fair. He didn't, but you know they won the World Cup, and I, I do wonder whether um, that's the sort of secondary striker that you want. You have your you know your Vlahovic as a lead, and then you go around Europe and find okay, who's the option that we bring on when we're chasing a game and we need someone to stir things up in the box. So I hope that we don't go out and sign two like for like players. And I think all of this talk about Gabriel Jesus. It's like Arsenal don't need that in the system. I mean, you'd obviously take it if it was offered, but I would rather spend 60, 70 million. I want a player like a, you know, like a peak Drogba. I want a player that other teams are like, oh, I I can't stand playing against that guy. And I think that's what Arteta will look for in the summer. Someone that's physically dominant, someone that's a bully and someone that sets a tone in a game like Liverpool. There's no fear factor. And Arsenal players don't believe we can beat Liverpool because they, they, they know that Lacazette is a weak point up front. Not the same in the smaller games, but like there's there should be two signings this summer, and maybe um, 
maybe Balogun comes back. You know, he started to score goals, scored a lovely goal uh, last week. Maybe Balogun comes back into the mixer as the third striker. But um, I, I, I agree with you. I think we can't sign players based on nostalgia for a season, right? You have yeah. to be ruthless. And I think there's no one more ruthless uh, at Arsenal than Mikel Arteta. And I think he'll know that. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of really good points here to come back on from mine. Um, so there was a couple of things Matt said. One, one I don't necessarily agree with, and that's DCL. Um, I, I don't see Dominic Calvert-Lewin as a, a realistic, you know, upgrade for us. He's now shown us that he's got injury problems. Um, he's never struck me as the most prolific striker anyway. What we don't want to be doing is changing one geezer who's, you know, goal shy for another, you know. Um, and what you also said, Matt, is, you know, you're sceptical about giving Lacquer another deal. I do get that. I understand it. I, I, I may even agree with you on that. Bring the two strikers in. And then we go to Pete's point about, you know, a potential target. It, when you started saying Giroud, I was like, oh, I'm not sure. What we do need is pace up front. We do need someone to be able... Giroud, uh, for as good as he was on the ball, and he added so much aerial threat, was a bit lumbering. And he would often slow our moves down. Great as a round-the-corner player, which is you know, might link up well with Saka and Smith-Rowe or Martinelli, but I'd like to see some threatening behind. And the person I think, you know, uh, to kind of embody it, you went for Drogba. I was thinking like peak Adibayor, you know, someone who Ooh, like hold that. up, you know, the yeah. ball, but also provide a goal threat and can smack a, a volley in from 25 yards, do weird stuff, you know. That's the kind of stuff And where... an absolute wanker. He was, he was. We could maybe get a better character, but um, in terms of player profile that would be a good one he, but obviously... he, he was a hell of a player out of it all he he gets because because of the way he left and his his behavior and his the the, the he the had mentality. two seasons of being unplayable he was unplayable yeah. he, he, was he was great with his he could finish he was great with his head he's great in the air he was rapid the, uh, the, the time when he brilliant. came on against tottenham when we got rolled in the league cup and he came on and told nicholas bentner I'm on because you're shit. One of the best <laughs> things ever. It's just so good. And I know it ended in misery with Raddy Boyle, but that line in particular, I loved it. Telling Lord Bender, up Bentner, I'm on because you're shit. And the one, the one thing I would just quickly say about Lacazette as a point, I do think that overall we know what he provides for our team and he is fantastic with his link-up play. And ultimately, look at, look at the goal scorers right now. Saka's got nine in the Premier League now. Um, double figures for the season, nine in the Premier League for a Mill Smith throw. At the start, when I said Lacquer comes in, I said we would need goals from those positions, and we're getting it. And that, and we are going to get over the line if Saka continues to uh, keep scoring. But what I didn't like from Lacazette was in that moment where he could have played Erdegaard in. Yeah. When the, when the goals don't come, sometimes players go searching for the goals. They go overreaching, and you're not you're no longer doing what we need you to do in the team, which is play the good passes, link the play and let, you know, and create. Because what we don't need you to do now is be selfish, try and get that goal so you can feel confident when ultimately you look completely out of sorts. And I'm not sure even if you get that shot through, it goes in anyway. Just do the role that we need from you and I think we can get over the line. He's it's snapped. the first time that we've, we've, we haven't had a really good striker at the club. You know, ever since I've supported Arsenal, Alan Smith, Ian Wright, uh, Thierry Henry, you know, uh, uh, Robin Persie, Van Persie. You know, we've Burkham. always had, we've got, we've, we're completely toothless in the striker department. We've got nothing, nothing at the moment. And so we've, I, I'm, I'm so excited to see who we're going to bring in. I, I think awesome. two, 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 two new, what, two new strikers would be sensational. Vying for that spot. 
Yeah, Arsenal fans got stopped talking about Haaland. He's like they're they're in the Spanish papers this week. They're saying that he's going to cost three hundred and fifty million euros all in. His dad wants thirty million euros. His agent wants forty million euros, and he costs fifty million euros a season. Someone's going to do it, and it'll probably be Barcelona. And I just think you, you like you're you're not buying a striker at that point. You're buying what you think will be the next Cristiano Ronaldo from a brand perspective. And I just don't know whether Haaland. You know, there are good players in the world. And you're like, why doesn't this player have a big profile? Like Ibrahimovic had a, almost had a bigger profile than his ability, in my opinion. He created legend. He was handsome. Uh, but th- I don't know. I, I, I don't think Haaland is quite that from a brand perspective. So for Barcelona to come out of near bankruptcy and go, you know what? Let's throw 350 grand a week at Aubameyang and let's throw 350 million at Haaland. Just seems absolutely nuts. I mean, obviously, I'd love him if if Erdegaard could get that price down, but we've got to be realistic. We're not we're not in those leagues for strikers yet. It'll be something smarter. It might it might not end up like that, though, Pete. In terms of first of all, this is what the papers are saying, and yeah, an agent wants forty million or something. Just tell him to fuck off. And ultimately, it's not to say that he'd agree. Like the agent might be like, "No, I'm not going to fuck off. Give me that money." But that like, we could set a benchmark that would be lower. And when you talk about three hundred million, that's not three hundred million up front. That's over the course of his contract. You're talking about a player there whose value, once you sign him, 50 million, instantly, he's already worth 150 million, 200 million. Like, his sell-on value, because he'd fit our age profile, he's a 200 million pound striker that we could be selling in five years if he doesn't take us to the Champions League. If he could come and we could find a way to do it, we should pull the trigger all day long. All day long, he'd be... He he would... He will get to the stage where he's the best player in the world or something you, like it. You, Wouldn't that be can't, amazing? I, I just don't think you can bring... Even just say that we had the money for it right now, just for him. You can't pay him 450 grand a week in our system and expect that to go well. Because then no. you have to give that to Saka. Then you have to give it to Smith-Rowe. And I honestly think, like, there, there are certain... Like, Mbappe's not going to us. Haaland's not going to us. But then outside that, there aren't many teams this summer that need a striker. So we will be in, in you know, at, at the feeding trough for the seconds. And well, I think, I think we'll, Chelsea, we'll Chelsea I think, I think Chelsea will be in the market for a striker. And, Matt, and they're, they're not. They're, they're going to be in the market for an owner. Yeah, they're, they're not. They're, they're in a. They're in a, They need a. They, they need a lot more. I don't think that they're going to be uh, a threat this summer. I mean, maybe. I just don't think that the person coming in is going to be throwing money around. I think you yeah. would say you've got to make Lukaku work. I'm afraid, Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, they're in the market for a bus driver and a minibus to get there, <laughs> get to and from games. They ain't, they ain't talking about uh, about Haaland, you know what I mean? The they're thing in the market for cheaper half-time oranges. <laughs> exactly, you know, some easy jet flights. But overall, and I'll just, just my final point on Haaland, and it's not even about Haaland, it's about how we see ourselves as a club, the players that we start going after. Yeah, Haaland would be a very tough sell anyway, trying to get him. Obviously, he's elite, elite, you know, talent. But obviously, I wouldn't be talking about giving him 450 grand a week. You might structure a deal where you give him a 20 million pound signing on bonus. And then you say you're not getting paid more than a quarter of a million a week. You know what I mean? And that's because we can't break our wage structure. But any money we save on a hundred million pound player that we can get for his buyout clause of 54, we could find a way of giving him some money up front. But we, you're right. We have to stick to our 
principles over our wage structure. It's very important after getting rid of so many bad contracts. But there is an upside to Haaland through paying him that money that we could recoup off the back end if he was to leave. He's not coming. No, no, but it's a nice speech anyway. <laughs> there's uh, there's some people in the there's some people in the comments asking about Rashford, and um, I do, I do think that Arsenal fans get people get quite snobby. Like Rashford has nearly a hundred goals for United, nearly sixty assists. He's a bit he was on on a good like production per game before Ronaldo turned up this season. He's been he's been put in the bin. Uh, he's fighting with the fans. I think that he would represent some real value. And like, again, he's 24 years old. The interesting thing here is lots of young players are looking at this Arteta system and thinking he can make me better. We're going to be, play exciting attacking football. And I, I honestly think we'll have the pick. We'll have the pick this season because I feel for the like first that's time, it's a project you want to go and join. There's, no, there's not a risk associated like there was last summer. I agree with Tove Taylor. I think uh, Rashford's another Welbeck. No! Yeah, I do. I, I do. I do. I think. I think. I, I think at, Arsenal are he, watching him. He's so. at. He's at United, and he need. If he's good enough, he needs to step up and deliver at United. Mason Greenwood's gone. Competitions less. There's no one really else there. He should be delivering in training, and he should be scoring goals. He's at a massive club in Man United. Toxic atmosphere. He's he had would absolutely sit, shit coaching for the last five six years. He needs Arteta to rebirth him as an England legend. Saviour of the people. I, 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 I'm more on the... Uh, first of all, I love the guy. So it would be yes. nice. Yes, you know, top guy. You know, our character credentials goes up at the club if he comes in. You know, Models for Burberry. Models for Burberry. Elite. Top level. We'd fit right in, you know. But if he, I, I would accept Rashford as a second striker of two and an elite one getting brought in. Uh, Rashford always flatters to deceive a little bit. He's very quick. <laughs> You know, he can finish very well when he's on, but other times he looks like he switches off quite a lot. And, you know, we play a certain way now, and for him to be that... And I'm not sure about his hold-up play in terms of linking up. He's more of someone who might rival Saka or Smith-Rowe for their position rather than play, uh, you know, at the um, crux of our uh, attacking unit. So maybe as a backup, but overall, I, I personally think we can do better... If we were to sign him, he's a top bloke and that would go some way. Yeah. I, I just want a horrible, horrible bully. I don't want someone want, doing good. Yeah. I don't want someone doing good for the world. I want someone <laughs> Troy Deeney energy. I want oh. think, I, I want someone with cojones. Someone who is thinking bad things every day. <laughs> I want Diego Costa reincarnated. Yeah. Someone who you always knew when you're like, did he intend to do that? And the answer is absolutely. He's a bad person. Give that's me, what I need. That's what I need give, in the starting eleven. Give me the love child of Costa and Adebayo. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we've we've dropped a, we've dropped a big fifty-three minutes uh, today. Uh, we've got an international break coming up, so I think we should all take a moment to hold hands virtually and pray for the bodies of our young players that they come back in one piece, motivated, maybe with an England debut under the belt. I don't. I think they've actually all played for England. Has Ben White started for England yet? Uh, he did a friendly. He he'll start in this game, I think. I mean, has Ramsdale started? 
Well, Ramsdale's uh, injured now, isn't he? Ramsdale started, yeah. Ramsdale got his um his debut before he got like a clean sheet against San Marino. <laughs> it, it always <laughs> nice, isn't it? Always nice. Um, but no, uh, yeah, obviously, and Smith Rowe, who it looks like we might need to lean on. Circa and Smith Rowe and Martinelli and Lacker as well. I mean, to be honest, it's all of them, but they're just so important now. You just feel like as good as the feeling is, the one thing that I even wrote into my prediction that we would get over the line in top four is, you know, a crippling injury could derail everything because, you know, I, I talk about being confident about playing Chelsea, about playing Tottenham. If Thomas Partey was out for the rest of the season, if Saka goes down for the rest of the season, it's a different kettle of fish. And we that's why I'm talking about those next three games. Hopefully we haven't got those injuries. We've got to be scooping these points against these teams while everyone's fit, we're ready to roll. We've got to get it while the going's good, just in case something bad and unexpected happens. Agree. Okay, guys, um, Johnny, where can people find you on the internet? I'm at I, Johnny Cochran. Um, come follow me on my socials. I'm also doing a little uh, bit and bob for uh, BT Sport, doing a, a preview of the England squad. So that's going to be out on DIY Ooh. Pundit over the next couple of days. But I'll share Very it on my cool. socials. And it's basically... I don't know how they're paying me to do this, but it's it, all of my, all of my reports are just a love fest for Arsenal and slagging off other teams. So if you're not following me on my socials, get on it because you'll get to see this week's video talking about the England squad announcement. My brother uh, just messaged me and said that he's going to five star review the podcast because he enjoyed the rat on a chocolate bar comment. So, uh, <laughs> my, my family leaning in hard there. Matt Candela, where can people find your incisive views on uh, design? advertising and the arsenal i think it's more just arsenal at the moment uh, <laughs> you can find me at matt candela on the on uh, on twitter uh yeah may be uh just very excited about where this is all going at the moment awesome big, man. Say- big game against palace big oh game. it's gonna be a big game patrick Vieira, it's gonna be fantastic if you are watching this on youtube um Hit the subscribe button. I never asked that. Like, subscribe to it, and then you get a little email to say that we're about to go live. If you are listening to this on a podcast, give us a five-star rating. Share it with all your friends, even non-Arsenal fans. Be yeah. be good to us. Be good to us. And um, we'll we'll definitely be back over the international break. I don't know what we'll be talking about. Uh, we might be having Matt Scott on to talk about Chelsea uh, and Arsenal finances in general. Uh, if you've got any ideas of what you'd like to hear in the international break, do let us know. And on that note, I'll say ciao for now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We love you very much. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.